Hello, everybody, and welcome to Silverline Behind the Frame, episode number 16. And in this episode, we get to talk to Jason Matzinger, who is not only a TV show personality, he's a professional hunter, but he is also a huge advocate for hunting conservation. And he has been able to use his platform to impact and inform so many people and to show us all the part we need to play to ensure the success of wild game and so that future generations can enjoy hunting for years to come. So I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Well, we are here at the uh, the Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City and talking with uh, Jason Matzinger. And glad to have you on the show today and just taking a little bit of your time to, to talk with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, heck yeah. I appreciate we I appreciate you giving me the opportunity and the fact that we were able to put it get together is pretty awesome. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty busy here. Things get crazy. I mean, it's it, I actually haven't been to this show before. My brother came down last year and and it's it's grown so much. I mean, they have this whole area that's added on and a lot more vendors and stuff and yeah. as it seemed to be a, a a better feel and vibe to go kind of along with it just without just growing. I mean, it seems to be I mean, you've probably been here several years over yep. the, the past and everything. Yeah. It just continues to grow every year. I mean, attendance is always record attendance year after year. And this yeah. year is going to be no different. I mean, they added 110. It's what I heard vendors in here this year. Wow. And, um, yeah, it's incredible. The amount of people that come through the doors here in the, the three, four day period it runs. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, obviously you're very, very tied in with, uh, the mule deer foundation and the whole, um, kind of the, the, the purpose behind this, this event and, and how, how long have you been tied in with the, the Mule Deer Foundation and helping them out? I mean, I've supported, been a member of the Mule Deer Foundation for a lot longer than I've sort of partnered up with them on, but I would say the last four years we've been working really closely. We started, uh, talking about, uh, doing a sequel to Project Elk that I did with the Rocky Mountain yep. Elk Foundation. They, approached me, uh, Jeff Hunt approached me about doing this project, brought me on and, uh, we just did some brainstorming and here we are three and a half, four years later, the project's right. now behind us. We presented a one hour documentary called project mule deer mm -hmm. and a 13 part series kind of highlighting what the mule deer need to thrive and survive. So over the past three years, just filming intently, uh, trying to collect that footage. Yeah. Um, it's hard to believe, you know, that we're kind of, we got that one done. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so projects like that, I mean, how much of, of what you're doing day to day is, is taking on projects that, that allow, that require that much, you know, specific focus, or, I mean, are you mostly trying to take on one thing like that at a time, or are you kind of handling a lot of different avenues for promoting, you know, organizations like Mule Deer Foundation or, or how, how, how do you kind of structure the things that you're doing throughout your, your time? Well, it seems like, you know, I've been able to work with uh, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the Mule Deer Foundation, and the Wild Sheep Foundation. And yeah. I've been able to partner up with them and kind of do similar projects for all of them. Yeah. Not only highlighting the animal in which we're trying to help, but their mission statement and the why behind the foundations. And yeah. so I take, you know, um, a lot of pride in working with these guys and, and it does take, you know, I do the TV show every year. We do 13 mm -hmm. original episodes of that starting yeah. in July through December. So, yeah. but for me, like the TV show versus the conservation films are two mm -hmm. different animals. And, yeah. and my passion, my heart is really into the, the films, the short yeah. films where I can really tell a story 
yeah. get a little more of the commercialization out of there and right. be able to just tell the story that needs to be told and not worry about, uh, you know, commercial breaks and things like that. Sure. So the level of, uh, kind of, gra- um, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The gratitude I get out of yeah. doing these yeah. films is much more than, sure. um, just a, a few episodes of the TV yeah. show, which I have a lot of pride in too, but sure. it's just a different feeling. Yeah. And and it allows you a, a variety of, of platforms to put it into. It, I'm sure it gives you the opportunity to, to be connected with those people and seeing what the impact is and actually sharing it at places like at the, the sheep show, yep. uh, you know, not long ago and, and sharing one of the other films and um, it, how, how do you go about, you know, when, when a project like this come up, is it, uh, you know, you and a, and a team or what's, what's kind of the behind the, you know, the, well, the frame of this video that's out there that's we're trying to kind of look in and dive into is what, what does it take to put something up on the screen that people see? Um, say for example, the, the, this recent film, the, the circle of life, like what was the, um, kind of how, how did that start and get, what was that production like? Well, I mean, really the way I like to structure them is I love to film wildlife. So if I could film every piece of the wildlife content through the changing of the seasons, the, yeah. the, uh, the scenery, the grasses, the sage, um, I pride myself in trying to get really good images and, you know, uh, cinematography of these animals in their natural environment when yeah. they're not being hunted. Yeah. You know, I've, I love filming animals when I'm not trying to hunt them. Right. And, um. <laughs> So I've take I like to put as much of the animal footage that I film in there. Now like with Project Mule Deer um it was tougher cuz cuz you know mule deer are a little more finicky of an animal. It's harder mm-hmm. to find those big bucks where yeah. you know elk are a little more visible, the bulls come out in the rut. Right. You know getting really awe-inspiring mule deer footage proved to be a lot tougher than any other animal really? sheep or elk than i've yeah. encountered they're just not if you love mule deer you love mule deer but a bighorn sheep anybody can look at a big ram and just go wow wow look at that thing yeah or yeah. you know a bull elk can walk out into a meadow and bugle and it's everybody's yeah you know romantic vision right and so <laughs> mule deer don't have that just instant luster to them like other sure. animals so yeah. finding images and, and scenes and things to captivate people to get them in love with mule deer proved to be tough. So gotcha. in that film, I was able to work with like Doyle Moss shot a lot of the footage yep. Yep. of the big bucks, you know, bucks yeah. we can't find in Montana bucks that you have to be in special areas. Yeah. And so most of the films I do is, you know, I film the wildlife footage and then I have a crew of people that film the story around it. They, yeah. they film the conventions, they film the B-roll, they film uh, my day-to-day kind of sure. stuff. They film the hunt itself. Yeah. Yeah. And there's different guys that film the story side of it that I take to film the hunting side of it. Yeah. And then, you know, I have a, an editor, Andy, that helps me with a lot of the cutting, a lot of uh, kind of some of the writing of the scripts mm-hmm. of some of these films. Sure putting my jumbled up thoughts into more eloquent <laughs> words. Sure. Um, he helps me yeah. with that. He's yeah. very good at that. Mm-hmm. I have guys that specialize in nothing but sound, yeah. you know, and they go out yeah. and they capture sounds. And mm-hmm. so it really does take a team of people who are just all jacked up on what they do. Yeah. And I like to hand pick, you know, the same guys that I use for project elk aren't 
all the same guys I use for the circle of life aren't yeah. all the same guys I use for mule deer. Yeah. Mule deer. You know, I want to, I want to be able to handpick the best people for every job. Yeah. And there's a lot of talented people out there. Yeah. That, and I just love working with people and in brainstorming and collaboration and mm-hmm. coming up with new ideas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And the, the, the passion for that can really come out when you have the right, the right tools and the right mediums to then put it into a full story. Cause yep. you can have that original idea, but you want that to translate to screen. You want that to translate the emotions to the people that you're, yep. you're talking to and then you're sharing with. And was that always a, a, a natural thing that you were interested in with the, I mean, uh, I'm guessing hunting, that kind of thing growing up, but also the media side of things and the film and, and photography and that kind of thing. Is that, how did that kind of get connected or has that always been part of what you've done? I mean, yeah, it kind of always has been part of what I have done because my dad growing up, him and his friends, they used to have a, a old eight millimeter video camera with two minute reels of film, rolls wow. of film. And we used to, they'd film random hunts. The one I remember the most growing up was a caribou hunt in Quebec that him and his friends had filmed. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking maybe six minutes total because, mm-hmm. you know, it was hard. It was bigger at that time. Yeah. Getting the camera out wasn't something people thought of then. Right. And, but I remember we used to sit down as a family in the living room and project that on the wall mm-hmm. and, you know, the cleanest piece of wall we had. <laughs> and, uh, and watch those reels. So Did I it have just, sound at all? Or no, it, it was no, all you could no. hear was tick, 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 wow. the reel, you know, it was no sound. Um, yeah. So from a very early age, I was just sort of compelled to want to film this stuff because mm-hmm. of watching my dad and his friends. It was almost just like it was part of it, yeah. you know? And, yeah. but then, you know, fast forward 20 years, um, didn't really do much with film. I, I was guiding in Montana. Yeah. And that was really about the time hunting television was really on the rise. And um, I just felt like what I watched, what represented me as a hunter, just didn't really like hit me in the heart. It didn't really tell the story of the why we're out there, you know, the beauty behind it. It was all about big and the kill shot and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I just kind of, when I was guiding, I was like, man, what I see every day could be as good or better than what's on TV. And so I kind of got a little cheap video camera that I could keep in the cargo pocket of my pants right Right. here. And whenever I had a chance, I'd pull it out and film and, and that kind of sparked it again. And, um, then it just, the timing of it all, the outfitter I worked for moved away. Another outfitter moved in with all his own guides. And you know that, so my guiding, went away and I had this video camera and this idea. And so I just started filming and, yeah. And I didn't really know why, like, I didn't think that I would ever have a TV show. I just knew I wanted to film and I loved showing buddies, you know, at home and, and that before I knew it, then I had like a collection of like 60 hunts on tape and good Western hunts, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, just the stars aligned. I was able to meet John Edwards who owned Schnee's boots and shoes and the Powderhorn and in Bozeman. And he wanted to, wanted to kind of, you know, have a show that was based on the companies he worked with, you know, Schnee's and the Powderhorn. And it worked out great because the Powderhorn 
is where I got all my, you know, my first rifle, my first bow, my first boots, my first slingshot. So yeah. it was a natural fit that my first TV show was called Powderhorn Montana. Oh, okay. And yeah. it was all the people who had kind of always been in the Powderhorn. Yeah. So it was a really good, good fit. My dad's best friend owned it before uh, okay. John ended up yeah. buying it. So what, what year was that? That would have been, well, um, 2000. Oh, he probably bought it in about 2006, I would say. Okay. And by the time we got the wheels going, decided to do this show, put our name on the line with the network. It was, yeah. it was like 2008. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nice. So, and it, and it just continued to steamroll from there. Or was that just, you realized that was, this was a platform that worked and people connected with, or what was kind of the, obviously it's a lot of work that goes into it getting it started, but then keeping it going and growing, like how was, was that just kind of came naturally as well? It did. I mean, it took a lot of learning and took, yeah. you know, honestly, I thought like once I got a TV show, I thought it'd be just people knocking down my door, <laughs> just wanting to be a part of what I was doing. Yeah. So that yeah. was everybody sees it. And then now it's everything's gravy, right? Yeah. It's just going <laughs> to no be work. easy from yeah. here. And that boy, was I wrong? I mean, I, right. I just, I didn't realize the level of commitment it was going to take beyond even getting a TV show, Yeah, you know? And so, you know, it, it did, it did naturally take its course, but it yeah. definitely took some, a lot of wrong decisions, a lot of, uh, you know, literally worried about every single meeting I had with every single company because it was a make it or break it meeting, you know, whether yeah. they did it or didn't really would determine the future. There was no buffer there, you know? So mm -hmm. it's nerve wracking for a long time. I mean, I wore the boots off the soles off my boots with media <laughs> kits running around here you yeah. know and yeah so it's pretty crazy to see now the partners i have and the people you know behind those brands and just yeah. the support within the community and the conservation right. organizations it's just it's yeah i have several pinch myself moments all the time yeah you know just because yeah. it's hard to believe that it ever you know made it let alone be here right right and what's the where do you see this this kind of growing into? I mean, is it uh, uh, I guess the end end game or where you're hoping to end up, or maybe it's that that process has already been going. What you've been able to do so far, and kind of where you're you're seeing it go, you know, further from here. You know, I mean, I never like when I per, when I made Project Elk, that was the highest. That was everything I ever wanted to do in my entire life. Yeah. So I actually, when Project Elk was done, I kind of got scared for a while because I felt so brain dead right. and so invested in that was the it mm -hmm. that I got scared because I couldn't think of anything else. I, th I couldn't like come up with another idea. I was like, man, I put everything I had into that film. I don't have anything left, you know? And then <laughs> yeah. slowly it started to come back and, yeah. and you get more ideas and stuff. But, um, so to me, I accomplished everything I've ever set out to do. I'm, I could die a happy man. Yeah. But now that I'm here, there's goals beyond this that push me, you know? So I'm mm -hmm. super thankful to be here. But now that I'm here, I, I don't, I want to continue to, you know, move the bar or do things different, think outside the box and just make the next best move to help tell our story, you know, whatever that is. And it's a constantly evolving animal. Yeah. You know, whether it's TV, whether it's social, whether it's short film, whether it's YouTube or a combination of all three. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of moving parts to try to figure out, you know, yeah. where's the best place to be and mm -hmm. what's the best magnitude of the project to 
to do it, you yeah. know? So yeah. learning all the time. I don't know what the next thing is. You know, yeah. honestly, I, I look at hunter safety. I would really like to tackle hunter safety across the country. I'd really like yeah. to sort of re-evaluate everything we're teaching kids and what mm -hmm. they need to know to be a responsible sportsman in today's world is far different now than it was when we went through hunter safety. Yeah. Like, there's Different chapters and chapters and, and chapters that need to be in hunter safety and education on oh, what yeah. it means yeah. in today's world versus yeah. when we went through it. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. something long term. I would really love to dive into hunter's education yeah. and start to maybe formulate a plan moving forward, how we could do better there. Yeah. But that's yeah. a, that's a daunting, <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's a mountain to climb and I'm yeah. at the dead bottom right now. So <laughs> It's, yeah. it's something I'd like to do, but I honestly, I don't know how that's going to happen yet. Yeah. Well, it seems like you're making strides in the right direction to, to build a kind of a foundation and a platform as well that you can influence for in areas that you can see that need to be improved on too. I mean, that's using, using that for doing the right things too. And seeing the improvement in the industry is just, I'm sure it's really uh, encouraging for others as well as to keep you driving towards that. Right. Oh um, yeah, for sure. I mean. It's, it's funny because you got, you kind of have two different people in this room as far as like that appreciate the work. You have people mm -hmm. that'll never say anything because they're afraid they're going to bother you. Yeah. And then you have people who will come right up and tell you how much they appreciate it. And I don't think they know how much I appreciate that, yeah. you know, for the people that think, you know, you, you don't want to bother a person or whatever, yeah. like do, because we need to hear that what we're doing is good. And if we yeah. don't or bad, if yeah. we don't you know, you're not going to change. You're not going to do anything different. So I love hearing from people. It drives me, you know, when I, when I have either somebody young, middle-aged or old come up to me and say, they appreciate what I do. It, it means the world to me. Yeah, It really does. And it's yeah. one person at a time. It doesn't have to be a whole room. Oh yeah, you know? for sure. And so, how, how do you kind of combining those things with where you want to, to, to see improvement on with the, the hunter safety and then also the the platforms you've been doing so far with putting media out there and that thing. What do you feel is the the best way to get those messages out? I mean, you've done the films and even the social media and and kind of promoting in this me different media formats. Is there a certain thing that seems to ring more true or just allow you to connect with more people as a whole, or is it a combination of all of those different mediums that seem to be effective for your message? I think, I mean, I use this line all the time. Like you're, there's never going to be another Jim Shockey. There's never going to be another Michael Waddell on TV alone and mm -hmm. on YouTube alone. If you're not doing everything, uh, you'll just never be the cream that rises to the top. Yeah. Now that's in the hunting world to get our messages out there. I mean, I think social media is the most important thing for us to focus on because it's so exposed to the yeah. world, you know? If somebody comes to my YouTube page, they have to click on it and watch it. If somebody goes to my films, they have yeah. to go to Amazon and watch it. If yeah. so, you know, if somebody has to go to Sportsman's Channel and watch it. Yeah. Social media is where we get a lot of the mm -hmm. negative um, publicity. It's where a lot of, you know, there's no filter. Um, guys yeah. think that just since they have 15 followers that they can yeah. put trashy, disrespectful photos of animals out there. And that's yeah. not true. Those that stuff will spread like wildfire fire whether you have 15 followers or 15,000 followers. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. I just did a film called Influencers and it's all about that literally everybody in this room is an influencer. We're such a small number in the world mm-hmm. that every single one of us makes a difference. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're too small. Yeah. And so whether you have a following, whether you're on social media, whether you're not on social media, like yeah. everybody is an influencer and, yeah. and the decisions you make, whether it's how you load your animal in the car to drive through town, whether it's how you approach people who are just up there bird watching while you're coming down the trail with a mule deer on your backpack. I mean, it's all those decisions that yeah. I think collectively will make the biggest difference for the future of hunting. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Cause it's really, it's really th- their images now, what they're seeing that, whether they're hunters or not, that's, that's going to, they're going to pass on that message to everybody else. And it's that next generation, right. That's that you're trying to, influence in a positive way in a safe way and and creating a positive message i mean like that's a that's a very important part of what it, what everybody should be keeping in mind right i mean that's because whether they have a, a large audience or not they all have an audience they all have people they can talk to right yeah, yeah. well and like for example uh like a, you know some line i use in project mule deer is the the future of hunting ultimately comes down to what the 95 and a half percent of the people in the world think of hunting. Yeah. That's what's going to keep our sport alive. Yeah. And the only thing that 95 and a half percent of the people has to base their opinion on is what they see from the people that do hunt. Yeah. So we could beat the drum all day long in this room. We could sell every single product out of this room and ultimately it's up to everyone outside of this room that's going to yeah. keep it alive. And yeah. I think the more we can wrap the hunting community's brain around, these people do matter. Their mm-hmm. opinions very much matter. And you can't just slam it in their face and say, it's my God-given right. Well, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it's their God-given right to want to take it away, too. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's very true. real and it can go away. And I just, yeah. I think the mentality of, you know, to hell with them they don't understand it is those days need to go away. Yeah. We, we need to understand them more to better ourselves moving forward and exactly. what they're thinking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so how does, how does someone that, uh, either not, not even just from this industry, but just in wanting to be involved in, you know, the outdoors and, and, and putting out that positive message and even someone that maybe is intimidated to get into sharing an idea or a concept or, or a, a film or just something that, that they're passionate about, but maybe are holding back because it's intimidating or just, you know, something that, uh, they got to overcome. What, what would you say to somebody like that? That's, that's not willing to step out to help them kind of get their message out or come up with that next product. That's going to help this or that. Like, what do you think is, is a good way for them to get over that? I think just recognizing an opportunity to, to, you know, change people, however you get the opportunity to, I mean, it could be, you know, waiting in a food line at a restaurant because you have a hat on and somebody asks you a question. I mean, it could be just as so much as engaging in conversation with somebody. Yeah. It could be, you know, um, you know, it could be somebody stuck in the ditch and they, it's a mother with children and you're coming out with your buddies hunting and you pull over and you help her out of the ditch and Mm -hmm. she sees your hunters. I mean, there's, 
it doesn't have to be this giant film to make yeah. a difference. It's literally every yeah. single chance you get with whatever opportunity you have, whether it's engaging with a comment on social, whether it's just putting your best foot forward, whether it's volunteering. Yeah. Like, you know, we got asked to volunteer at a Girl Scout camp for archery two years ago. And so we worked with the Montana Bow Hunters Association. They got a bunch of bows and targets donated and stuff for the Girl Scouts to use. Yeah. And we went up and helped them. And, you know, here's a the full, like the summer camp for Montana Girl Scouts. Yeah. And they can do any activity they want. And they did. And at the end of the week, they filled out what they like, what they want to come back. And the lady that asked me to help called me and she's like, this will make you happy. She goes, it was a landslide that archery was the favorite thing really? at Girl Scouts camp this wow. year. Like they love the archery. That's huge. You know, so it's <laughs> like just going to help Girl Scouts. I mean, yeah. I don't know that any of those girls will become hunters, but I yeah. do know that those, like several of those girls made their parents go get them a bow and they keep me updated like, oh yeah, she's wow. shooting. She loves it. And, oh, that's so cool. You know, so it's just yeah. never thinking something isn't important, you yeah. know? treating yeah. everybody with respect and realizing that really every single person you touch one more person just you know makes a big difference in yeah. our community yeah because they'll go tell more yeah you know yeah once the light bulb comes on yeah it'll spread yeah and every every person doing a part of that whether even getting involved in organizations like the Mutor foundation and, and other ones like it or just they can they can have an impact whether it's speaking to someone or giving a, a little bit or, or, or a yes. lot. So. Well, and that's to get back to it. That's, yeah, that's public relations. That's interaction. Yeah. That's my world. But when you break yeah. it down, I mean, you got Ryan, like passionate volunteers for the Mule Deer Foundation. They yeah. can't have enough volunteers and yeah. they need all the help they can get. You know, yeah. it's like, um, I was talking to Steve Belinda and he's like, man, if, if everybody in this room just gave, you know, 5% of their time of the year or a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. This whole conservation thing would be a whole other ball game, yeah. you know, but it's funny. I mean, we all, everybody knows hunting's conservation and we're proud of that as we should be. But yeah, you know, if you have the opportunity, don't just stop with buying your tags. If you have the opportunity to volunteer, whether it's a fence pole project, whether it's, yeah, you know, pinion juniper removal, whether it's, mule deer relocation whatever it may be like they need help yeah and they don't have the money to pay the people to do it and the wildlife needs it and so yeah there's there's endless ways but you know i definitely would suggest becoming a member of a conservation organization that yeah. means something to you in your area yeah. and be active it'll yeah. go a long ways and it'll make you feel better than you've ever felt before <laughs> yeah absolutely no, that's it's everybody can make a difference and that's just what's so exciting and and um uh, and so on the uh just one more thing with with what you get to do obviously you go to some pretty interesting uh, places and get to to film in different uh types of scenarios and backdrops and what's kind of a just a a short little story or something that stands out to you maybe from this last uh film the the circle of life or even the you know project mule deer just something that kind of stands out as it's you know, kind of unique, maybe someone that didn't see through the film or just, you know, something that took place to, to make that happen that, that was on that. Um, you know, I could think of a few examples, um, like one with project mule there, once again, how you can make a difference, how you can help. I was actually 
one of the scenes in Project Mule Deer was a, a, fawn, a buck fawn caught in a fence. And he's pretty in a bad way yeah. by the time I found him. I was actually antelope hunting in a blind at the time. And I think the irony of it is just just so classic hunter because I'm in a blind waiting to take an animal's life. Yeah. And at the end of the day, all I did was went and saved an animal. And wow. so there's a yeah. scene in project mule deer where this deer's caught in the fence and we're talking about how you can make a difference and miles is talking about just get involved and i come in with cutters and clip him loose and the mule deer takes off and you can tell i'm like rattled i mean yeah. it, was, it took a while to get him out but finally did it and you know that's one scene in the film that i think to me like it was right towards the end of project mule deer and when yeah. that happened i was just like Man, I tell you what, there's just moments in life where you know you're right where you're supposed to be doing yeah. what you're supposed to be. And in the final moments of editing one of the biggest films, I have the opportunity to save this deer out in the middle yeah. of nowhere, sitting yeah. in a blind. And and that's what hunter, what non-hunters need to understand. I wanted to take an animal. I was there. I sat all day in the heat yeah. to, to try to kill an animal. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we'd, I didn't hesitate getting out of the blind at prime time when I knew that's when the animals were going to come yep. to go help that animal, yeah. you know? And those are the stories that people don't see. Those are the more of the stories yeah. we need to get out there. Yeah. So that's one that sticks out to me that yeah. was just impactful on my own life. For sure. For sure. Well, and I think that's, uh, that just really brings, hits home the, the message that you're, you know, trying to get out and, and. Through, even through all these different mediums and, and, uh, you know, people that, that take that step, anybody can also do their own in their own way and their own communities and those things. And I think that's just really encouraging. And, and thank you for taking that, that step and, and, uh, even just putting yourself out there and creating this, you know, this, uh, this whole platform that you're able to impact people and also, you know, impacting more stuff along the way. I mean, this, it's not the end. It sounds like you got a lot of stuff coming down the road too. So yeah, it's for sure. I feel it. like the, we're just getting started here. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking some of your time out of the busy, busy day to be on Absolutely. the on podcast. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And it was great to get to spend some time with you. And we'll, we'll be definitely seeing more of your stuff out there. So, yeah, I appreciate right. it. Thanks yeah, again. Thanks, Micah. Yeah. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're able to glean some valuable insights from this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and let us know what you thought and your feedback. We would love to hear from you. If you want to find out more, visit silverlinefilm.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under Silverline Films. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Silverline Behind the Frame.